All right, welcome everybody back to the greatest sports show. Another week, or another the greatest sports show on the internet. Another week, another episode. Uh, this weekend was definitely a very busy weekend with UFC fight night, Manny Pacquiao fight, uh, AFC NFC championship games. So we're gonna get into all the all that and the headlines that have come out of that uh, as well. As far as my six pack record, I went two and four this weekend. I had a horrible fucking weekend. Uh, one of the picks I thought I was picking the New York Rangers to lose. Unfortunately, it was the New York Islanders. I missed it. I didn't, I wasn't paying close enough attention when I, when I was looking at it. So, I mean, those are two very different hockey teams. So, uh, that one definitely cost me a win, but I went two and four this weekend. One of them was kind of a surprise. Uh, that's a UFC fight and we'll get into that, but, uh, I'm still 15 and nine overall. So don't lose faith in me just yet. I'm still above 500. So six games above 500, mind you, but we'll get into all that here in just a second. Uh, the beer that I'm going to try this week is called Downtown Brown. Downtown Brown by the Lost Coast Brewery out of California. Uh, Downtown, Brown, Downtown Brown is a sophisticated blend of chocolate and caramel malts with American barley malt makes this a mild and nutty brown ale, a refined brew that complements Almost any meal. So I'll be drinking that throughout the show. It's 5% alcohol, so nothing too crazy on that front. So I'll be drinking Downtown Brown by the Lost Coast Brewery. Uh, and I'll let you know if I'll drink another six-pack of it, or if I'd buy another six-pack of them, or leave them on the shelf at the end of the show. All right. Uh, real quick, first story out of the this past week, not this weekend, is that Bob Costas and NBC have agreed to let him out of his contract that extended to 2020 or 2021. So Bob Costas is no longer going to be broad- announcing uh, anything for NBC in, in the future. Uh, not a huge loss there. Bob Costas really hasn't been uh, that prevalent in the last few years when it comes to broadcasting sporting events across NBC, you know, a little golf, he does Sunday night football, uh, not really broadcasting, but little intros, interviews, whatever. And because of his declining, uh, stature within the NBC organization, he pretty much said, Hey, can I get the fuck out of here? And that's what it is. So no more Bob Costas on NBC, but he's not fully retired. So we'll probably see him in uh, different formats going forward. All right. The next thing we'll talk about is the UFC fight night in Brooklyn. TJ Dillashaw versus Henry Cejudo for that flyweight belt. Hey, there's the controversy out of that fight is that it was stopped too early. So the fight, Henry Cejudo TKO'd him in 20 seconds. All right. 20 fucking seconds. Right out the gate. He was throwing shots, and then the ref, you know, while he was on the ground, kind of scrambling a little bit, the ref stepped in while TJ was getting some shots landed on his face and stopped the fight. So the the controversy, or at least in Dillashaw's mind, the fight was stopped way too fucking early. Way too early. He said he wasn't even that hurt. All this shit, it's bullshit, whatever. Of course, Henry Cejudo thinks, fuck it, I won the fight, so, you know, and I, whatever. But before I get into my point of view let's listen to uh ufc uh president dana white talk about that decision it was bullshit and you know i thought it was an early stoppage too so listen you got two of the best guys in the world two world champions in a super fight let them fight let them fight let them finish and i'm not taking anything away from cejudo 
because the fight went 20 seconds and Cejudo busted him up. I'm sure when you saw him sitting here, it looks like he was in a three-round fight. Um, but Jesus Christ, let him fight. Horrible stoppage. So there you have it. Horrible stoppage from the man, Dana White. I don't think it was a horrible stoppage. Like he said, he busted him up. Did it stop too early? Yes, I think so. I think it stopped two punches too early. Like what that would have what would have been the outcome had they let the fight go? He still would have been on the ground. He would have been still getting rocked. That's the thing. They stopped it a little early. Yes, maybe you can see it if he recovers Dillashaw that it is from the punches, but realistically, the fight he he was hurt even though Dillashaw says he wasn't. He got fucking rocked. He got fucking hurt. And he was on the ground and he was going to take some more shots. And he didn't do anything to defend himself. That's one of the keys. But it did end quick. It did end early. 20 seconds. You know, I don't... I think it was stopped early, but I don't think the outcome of that fight changes. I think he's two, three, maybe four more punches away from getting uh, knocked out or TKO'd anyways. Like, the outcome would have been the exact same. Now it just gives the fucking platform from Dilla, for Dillashaw to cry that the fight was stopped too early. That's what it does for me. So I don't think it was, I think it was stopped too early, but I don't think the outcome remains the same. I think it's, it's okay that it got stopped early or it got stopped at that point because I don't think anything different would have occurred anyways. I think he still gets TKO'd and it's just three or four more punches that get landed instead of, you know, being stopped when it was. Now, of course, it sets up a rematch. Good for him, I guess. We just got to figure out what uh, division that's going to be in. There's, you know, talks about one division going away completely. So we'll see how that goes. But is it a huge controversy? I don't think so. Like I said, I think he still, the result remains the same. Even if it's, like I said, it's just more punches that Dillashaw is going to take to the face if it's not stopped. All right, the other big fight. Oh, so that reminds me, Manny Pacquiao pay-per-view and the fight night were on at the same time. So I didn't know how to, I was like, fuck man, I don't want to watch one on my phone and then one, cause the UFC was on ESPN plus. So I was like, well, I don't really want to watch the fight night on my phone and then watch the pay-per-view on the TV. So I, uh, I angered my wife by, she was at work by stealing the TV out of our bedroom and putting it downstairs in the living room. I know that's first world problems, but I was watching two fights at the same time and you think it'd be hard to do, but it actually kind of lined up good. Like one boxing match would be going on kind of slow, whatever, but the UFC, you know, there are only three rounds, uh, for the undercard. So it kind of worked out pretty good. But anyways, the Manny Pacquiao, Adrian Broder fight was on, uh, this weekend as well on Saturday night. And of course they went to the dis they went the distance, Manny Pacquiao and, and Broner did, but it was a dominant fight. By Matty Pacquiao. I give Broner one round. I think it's the fourth or the fifth round. Broner may have squeaked a round out of there. But it was dominated by Pacquiao. He hurt him in two different rounds. And if Pacquiao showed any signs of aging. uh, I mean this has been a problem for about nine years now. But not being able to really finish fights. And that's the biggest thing. Like he had him hurt twice in two different rounds and he really couldn't close him out he couldn't close out the fight but he definitely dominant performance Pacquiao looked really good as a matter of fact he looked really good like he didn't get tired he still had great hand speed he still was elusive 
and offensive uh, and putting together good combinations. It look, he looked really good. He's looked probably the best he's looked in a few years now be, um, since he's gotten a little older, especially since the, the Mayweather fight. So, of course, now there is talk about a Mayweather Pacquiao too. And let's see. Mayweather hasn't really come out and said anything. He just kind of stood quietly uh, during the post-fight uh, interview. But let's hear what Pacquiao had to say real quick about it. If you want to uh, come up from, from the retirement, then uh, announce it and uh, challenge me. I mean, uh, I'm a champion and uh, um, I don't... Uh, I don't pick uh, any opponent. Uh, it depends on, you know, I'm just waiting who, who will challenge me. Uh, All right, so Pacquiao says, hey, let's do it. If you come out of retirement, you want the fight, I'm here for you. Honestly, all right, I, wa- I ordered the Manny Pacquiao Mayweather fight the first time. Fool me once, right? Shame on you. I think the fact that Pacquiao fought as good as he did... All right, granted, it's fucking like Broner is not what he used to be, and he was never really like a great boxer, but he was, you know, he definitely had power and could knock you the fuck out. And but his last three, four fights, or really three fights, he's been on a decline. I got that, but Pacquiao still had to go in there and get the job done, right? Um, he looked really good. All right, he looked like I said better than he has in the past uh, few years. So. Should there be a Mayweather Pacquiao too? Absolutely. I think so. I think so. I think it would be a much better fight, potentially at least. I I think there should be. And I think they could... They, this is how they could sell it. Pacquiao coming back. Or I'm sorry, Mayweather coming out of retirement. One last, you know, for his one last fight. And then sell it again as Pacquiao's fucking revenge Pacquiao's uh, or attempt at revenge or and then also his retirement fight his last and final fight uh for Maddie Pacquiao and that's how they could sell it and still justify it. but I think there should be I think if the way he fought justifies uh a re another fight with Mayweather and that it will actually be something people would still want to watch and pay for because we did those of us that did watch the Mayweather Pacquiao fight the first time, it was a huge letdown. It was a huge letdown. Not because Mayweather was so much better than Pacquiao. It was just a very uneventful, lackluster, boring fight that didn't see anything. Nothing fucking happened in that fight. You know? So, I think this fight, if they do it again, it could be better. It it. Yes, Pacquiao said his shoulder was hurt during that fight. Whether it's true or not, who knows? But if he goes into this fight 100% healthy, healthy with no excuses, then it can put to put it to bed for real. But also, it could mean if he was hurt and he goes in healthy, it might be a very different fight. And like I said, Pacquiao looked really good in this fight. I mean, he looked really good for a 40-year-old fucking boxer. You know what I mean? And Mayweather's, what, 42? So... I think it could be done. I think it should be done, actually. Why not? Why not give the fans one more fight? Pacquiao and Mayweather both have really nothing else to prove to the boxing world when it comes to their resume. So why not just fight each other one last time? Both of you retire off into the sunset with hundreds of millions of dollars from the fight because we're all going to pay for it anyways. Whether we say we, when we say we're not, 
We will because a lot of people said they wouldn't watch McGregor and Mayweather and they fucking sold how many pay-per-views, ridiculous amounts of money. So I think there should be a Mayweather 2, Mayweather Pacquiao 2, and I think it'll be a much different fight, a much better fight, one that fans would like to watch and see. So let's make it fucking happen, Mayweather. All right. This is a a, a controversial weekend on a whole for fucking the AFC and the NFC championship game. Let's talk about the AFC championship. The officiating in both games was fucking horrible. Some of the worst officiating I've seen since the fucking strike and they had the scabs come in. I say scabs and whatever. You can take that out if you want. But when they had that backup officiating crew come in for when the NFL referees were on strike... It's it's as bad as that. Like some of it was letting them play. I got that, but some of it was blatant fucking calls that needed to be fucking made. On the flip side, sometimes there was calls that shouldn't have been fucking made. So the AFC Championship game, right? Let's talk about the the big controversial fucking call, or at least what people are holding as a big controversial call for that fight. All right, the roughing the passer on Tom Brady that didn't fucking exist. The the outcome of that is not as severe as the one with the Saints because if if the call's not made, it's still third and seven. The Patriots had been completing third and longs the enti- almost the entire fucking game. Like the last drive, they had like four third and tens. I'm not talking about the in overtime. I'm talking about in regulation. So, am I? Does does it really affect the outcome of the game? It could have. It could. It's third and long. Maybe they make a stop, but instead they get a 15 yard penalty, an automatic first down, and then they end up scoring a touchdown. Um, yeah, it could have affected the outcome of the game, but I mean they hadn't really been stopping them all that much at that point. So let's let's not get too carried away on how it affected things. But the part that pisses me off is the fact that the ref who had a bad angle in even the commentary during it was a jeans uh jeans skeletor skeletor whatever the fuck his name is anyways he's like yeah obviously the guy can't see it from his angle he just sees tom brady's head move so he doesn't see the actual penalty he just goes off what he thinks has happened because of the movement of his helmet that's fucking absurd to me if you can't, if you don't see it, then it, then you can't fucking call it. That's what pisses me off the most about that particular penalty. But let's go to the NFC Championship game: Saints and Rams. The fucking Rams have no business being in a Super Bowl right now. We all fucking know that. Well, th- we know that because if nothing else. The Saints run the clock down and kick a field goal and secure the fucking win. Not the case, of course, because of the horribly missed pass interference call um, and ridiculously missed pass interference call. And I'm <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll very quickly, I'll play this, uh, this snippet from Sean Payton and then I'll, I'll talk about the real question here. It was simple. They blew the call. They said it should never have not been a call. They said not only was it interference, it was helmet to helmet. There were two calls. They just they couldn't believe it. So that was 
No, we spoke initially, then I called to follow up, and first thing Al said when I got on the phone. We messed it up. And, uh, but we went to these league meetings, and we sit as an ownership group, and we don't further evaluate the replay system. You know, there's just too much at stake. And it's listen, it's a hard job for those guys because it's... All right, so the real question is now, should... When okay, so they decided that they weren't going to look at penalties, right? They're not going to review penalties. That's what he's talking about. Now, what he's saying is they should get back together as an owners group and take a look at whether or not penalties should be reviewed, especially game changing, game altering penalties. But my thing is, what's a game changing, game altering penalty? All of them are, all penalties have an effect on the outcome of the game, right? We don't know what, and I mean, look at the offsides going back to the AFC championship game. Dude lines up in the neutral zone, right? But it's a pre-snap play, doesn't get called because he's just lined up in the in the neutral zone. Um, and then Tom Brady gets picked off, but the interception is negated and the Chiefs win. The Chiefs win the game with that interception. But, because of the penalty, right, the the fucking the interception is negated, and then of course the they go to overtime. So every penalty, even if it's in the first fucking quarter, is a game changing fucking penalty. So are we saying that every single fucking penalty has to get looked at? No, of course they're gonna do it within. They'll probably do some shit within the two minutes. They'll take a look at it, right? But how we already have way too many fucking reviews in the NFL, right? We all, we already do that. It slows the game down tremendously. So I get it. It makes things more, you know, more fair, whatever. If a guy catches a ball when he fucking actually dropped it, it can be overturned, especially booth revu- reviews in, in two minutes. I'm okay with every scoring play being reviewed and every turnover being reviewed. Those are fine for me. I think those should be uh, continued on, but. When we get in that penalties, man, now we're looking. I mean, how does it fucking fuck a coach throws a challenge play? I mean, that that can get out of hand really fucking quick. Yes, I got it. That penalty should have been fucking called. The pass interference, the helmet to helmet. I yeah, sure, whatever. Those get sometimes those get missed, but especially the pass interference when the guy gets fucking drilled way before the ball gets there. But I don't know. What do you what do you guys think? I don't think so. I don't think they should. I don't think it should be something that gets reviewed. It happens. What's on the field, you know, if it's called, it's called. If it's not, then it's not. But because they could say, where do you draw the fucking line? Every penalty has the potential to be, every penalty is a game-changing penalty. A team that's penalized more typically loses a game because they give up X amount of yardage to the opposing team. So every penalty is game changing, game altering, right? I I don't know. So where do you draw the line? Like you're just gonna say pass interference, or you're gonna say offsides? What uh, holding calls? Like what? What is the definitive line that they're gonna look at? They're probably gonna look at the big ones: roughing the passer, intentional grounding. Um, did I say pass interference? If I didn't say pass interference, and then defensive holding on the other side of the ball. But 
if if you limit it, that's fine, I guess. If you limit it to like four, I don't know, man. It just seems ridiculous. I get it. There's a lot of Saints fans that are upset. The Rams fans, of course, are excited, but their team probably shouldn't be in the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. You know, they're going to play in it anyways. But yeah, it's a difference of who's playing in the championship game at that point. So should it get reviewed? Maybe. Maybe so. Hey, what do you think? Do you let me know? Go on 8up Media on Facebook and Instagram or Instagram and use the hashtag Sports News and Brews. Let me know what you think, whether or not they should review penalties in the NFL or take a look at reviewing penalties in the NFL. All right. That, oh, nope, that doesn't do it for the topic. So I thought it was. Speaking of uh, some more controversy. <laughs> There was a report that came out today, as a matter of fact, it's Monday. Uh, Carson Wentz is basically a shitty player or shitty leader, right? He plays favorites, checks out of runs to throw to Zach Ertz as opposed to staying with the run that Nick Foles would normally do. Uh, He's egotistical, he's selfish, and all that good stuff. But the report also says Nick Foles is universally loved within the locker room. And all those things very well may be true. However, a lot of players have come out and said, or not a lot, but a few players for Philadelphia have come out and said that this story has no legs, that it's false, it's fake, um, it's not true. And then even a senior uh, exe- player or personnel management uh, for the Eagles has come out and said, again, also that it's fake. But even if it's true, I mean, let's take a look at it. Carson Wentz is a very young player who shot, who skyrocketed up into fucking, you know, into some superstar status uh, there before he hurt his knee. Maybe he is a little egotistical. Maybe he's a little selfish. Maybe he's checking out of a run play because he doesn't know what the fuck he should be doing. You know what I mean? Like, Maybe he's checking out of that run because he thinks the pass will be better, right? Maybe just in his mind and his judgment, that's what he's supposed to be doing Uh, because he's still a very young player. Nick Foles, on the other hand, who's been around for, uh, for a lot of years, has more experience, thinks, hey, this run will will set is key to setting up something else later. I wouldn't take too much stock into it, mostly because a lot of players, not a lot, but a few players have come out and said it's fake. And then also, I mean, Carson Wentz is a young player. He still has a lot to do, a lot to grow. So maybe this is just one of those growing pains. Maybe he is egotistical, but, you know, if he's got to eat a slice of humble pie and most people end up doing such. Anyways, at least in the NFL, it's hard to stay too egotistical when you got dudes fucking beating the shit down or beating your ass down. Um, the other thing that's been kind of going around the Internet is Tony Romo. I already called the uh, CB, you know, he called the AFC Championship game as color commentator, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, Tony Romo is such a great fucking color commentator. He predict all these plays, and he should be uh, coaching somewhere." Slow the fuck down. First off, he did an all right job as a call. I kept a tally of how many times he used the descriptor "physical" when talking about the Patriots. You wonder how many times he said it in the first half of that fucking game? 11 fucking times. Three times within 30 seconds. That's a lot. I mean, 
So first off, that already annoyed me. So it was 11 times throughout the first half. I stopped even counting in the second half. I know at least two more times. So 13 times total at least that he used the word physical when talking about the Patriots. But secondly, all right, yes, does he have the ability to predict plays? He is right. He has a 50-50 shot, right? It's a run play or it's a pass play. But understand that Tony Romo was a fucking quarterback that just came out of the league. What is the quarterback that, you know, what there, that's what he did. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what he would look at a defense and call an audible, stay in the play, whatever. Right. He was reading defenses as the quarterback. He's not a savant. You know what I mean? Like he has, yeah, that's what, they fucking do. And I'm sure he wa- and he's played these teams. So he's watched, you know, he's just what, two years removed. So he knows the, a lot of these guys, like their tendencies, right? He's watched film. He's studied film. He knows this shit. Should he get a coaching job? Fuck no, man. He's no different than anybody fucking else. He just happens to read the fucking defense like he did when he was a fucking quarterback and fucking get a couple plays right a game. That's what he does. That's what he does. In three, four years, he will no longer be a fucking play-calling genius because defenses evolve and fucking all that good shit. So let's calm down on Tony Romo being a fucking defensive coordinator. That's what somebody said the other day. That's already the other day, yeah. He should be a defensive coordinator. The fuck? No, he should not. What does Tony Romo know about running a fucking defense? He was a fucking quarterback. Maybe he can read one, but executing it's just... A little bit different than reading it. So that's what I know about that. All right. Let's get into this week's six pack. All right. I'm doing a little NHL, a little NBA, and a little college basketball. All right. So Wednesday, today. All right. Today, Wednesday. It's a short one because hockey is uh doesn't have any actual scheduled games, um, you know, going into this weekend because of. Oh, excuse me. Anyways, uh, let's go. First game, Wednesday night, Nashville Predators at the Golden Knights. This is an interesting game. I like the Golden Knights. I like them because they do great pre-shows for their games. But I'm going with Nashville. Nastyville. I'm going with them on, on the road, taking down the Knights. All right, Thursday, college basketball. Michigan State at Iowa. Both are ranked teams, but Michigan State is a proven basketball program. I was not necessarily so good at basketball, but they are this year. So, but nonetheless, I'm going Michigan State on the road, taking down the Hawkeyes. Friday, NBA basketball, Toronto at Houston. I like this game. I think it's going to be a good game. I know Harden is on a fucking tear, but I do believe that Toronto can go again on the road and beat Houston. Damn, I just picked three road teams. As a matter of fact, all my picks are road teams. God damn it. All right, so Toronto um, on the road, beating Houston. Saturday, college basketball. Kansas at Kentucky. So I have Kansas picked uh, for this particular game. But I was a little bit on the fence because these are very good teams. Two very good teams. Very even, almost even teams. Um I'm actually going to switch this up and I'm going to go with Kentucky. I'm going to, I'm going to say that they're going to protect home court and be able to take down the Jayhawks. So I'm going Kentucky over Kansas 
in a Saturday NCAA men's college basketball game. All right, the final two are Saturday games as well, and they're both NBA games. The Warriors versus the Celtics. Look, I know I said it on one of the first podcasts uh, back that the Warriors don't impress me, but with Cousins in, they are definitely a much better team. I mean, they're a much more complete team with Cousins in. I know he might he's not 100% up to playing play speed yet, but he's already pretty fucking making a difference. So I'm going to go with the Warriors beating the Celtics on the road. And my last road game victory will belong to the Milwaukee Bucks versus OKC. Look, Greek the Freak's doing great things. Uh, the Thunder are a very good team as well. So I think this is a good, uh, this is going to launch the Milwaukee Bucks up into that conversation of like potentially conference finals and if not NBA finals caliber type team, or at least have a, a, a legitimate chance to make a run at it by going out and beating uh, the Thunder on the road. I know it's very, it's still somewhat early. And they have been beating Cal- good teams already this year, but I think this one's gonna what's gonna elevate them up, and they think they're gonna go on the road and they're gonna beat the Thunder. As ludicrous, hey, I don't know. Maybe I'm all wrong. Maybe I'll have another two and four fucking weekend, but hopefully not. Hopefully I'll go six and zero oh and uh, bump my numbers back up. All right, so that does it for this week's six-pack. As always, if you disagree or agree or whatever you want to say, go to 8UP Media on Facebook. That's 8 as in the number UP and then Media on Facebook or Instagram now. We have an Instagram page. Go to either or and use a hashtag Sports News and Brews. And you can argue with me on any of the topics discussed today or the six-pack and you can make your own picks and tell me how stupid I am for the ones that I made. All right, it's time for our weird, unusual, unheard of sport. All right, this one comes out of Japan. It's botaoshi, botaoshi. I don't fucking. It's Japanese for pull, pull, pull down. Um, each team has 150 people that are divided into 75 attackers and 75 defenders. The goal is to knock down the other team's pole. Uh, yeah, you should just do yourself a favor and YouTube a couple of videos of that. Shit is intense. <laughs> they fucking go nuts. I actually saw a video of this like many years ago. Uh, and I just remind, it reminded me when I started doing this to try to look this up again. I couldn't remember what it was called, obviously. But yeah, it's fucking nuts. 175 motherfuckers is out there running, or it's really 150 people. Just going ape shit, trying to take down poles. It's they're they're fucking nuts. They climb all over each other. It's fucking it's insane. So bo botaoshi botaoshi is this week's weird, unusual, or unheard of fucking sport. All right. So during those videos, I was uh, taking some sips out of this downtown brown. It's actually pretty fucking good. It's very smooth. Uh, you can definitely tell the, the like the chocolatey flavor. It's not like ridiculous. Like it's very. It's got a nice smooth chocolate and caramel. Like it says it does. It re, you can actually taste it, but not overpoweringly taste it. It's just subtle enough to remind you that it's there, and then you're still drinking a beer. So I really like it. Um, I would 
definitely buy another six pack of it. So downtown Brown by the Lost Coast Brewery out of California, I would buy another six pack of it. All right, as previously stated, three times or two times already on the show, third time's a charm. Head over to 8UP Media on Facebook and or Instagram. Like and follow both pages to stay up to date with this show or to contact this show. So 8UP Media on Facebook or Instagram, like, follow, and of course you can head and listen to the show. If you made it this far, you already did, so thanks. But um, that's it, guys. That's all I have for this week. I appreciate you listening. Until next week, and if you're going to drink... Be responsibly, be responsible.